It's time for the Tom Sumner Program. The Tom Sumner Program is a live variety show with music, comedy and special guest interviews every Monday through Friday. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Our theme music is Fruit of the Louvre, provided by Flint composer-producer Howard Eddy. Stay tuned, because it's on now. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. The Tom Sumner Program. Have you lost your job and your health care coverage due to COVID-19? You're not alone, and Genesee Health Plan can help. I called, and they provided health care enrollment over the phone with Medicaid, HealthCare.gov, and Genesee Health Plan. They made sure I had access to doctor visits, my prescriptions, and more. Getting health care coverage can be confusing. You don't have to do it alone. Get help with GHP. Call 844-232-7740 or go to GeneseeHealthPlan.org. We're in this together, and together we'll get right through now, it. Right COVID-19 vaccine are available to millions of Americans and soon they will be available to everyone. This vaccine means hope. It will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. I want to go back to work and I want to be able to move around. To visit with Michelle's mom, the hugger and see her on her birthday. You know what I'm really looking forward to is going to opening day in Texas Ranger Stadium with a full stadium. We've lost enough people, and we've suffered enough damage. In order to get rid of this pandemic, it's important for our fellow citizens to get vaccinated. I'm getting vaccinated because we want this pandemic to end as soon as possible. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. So roll up your sleeve and do your part. This is our shot. Now it's up to you. Hi, I'm U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow, and I'm listening to the Tom Sumner Show. Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to the show. I'm Tom Sumner. It's Wednesday, which, of course, as uh, regular listeners know, means Armchair Politics is coming up in about an hour. 2018 Green Party candidate for Governor Jennifer Kurland will be joining our roundtable regulars, Paul Rosicki on the left and Henry Hatter on the right, for two hours of commentary and analysis about uh, local, state, and national uh, headlines and current events. So be sure and stay tuned for that. But this first hour, we're going to talk about a, uh, a book, and, and I'm, I, I don't want to say it has the longest title I've ever introduced on a show, but it's got to be in the top five. I'm really looking forward to this. It's a book called Exceptionally Upsetting, How Americans Are Increasingly Confusing Knowledge with Opinions and What Can Be Done About It. It's written by uh, Howard Burton. He is the founder and creator of Ideas Roadshow, an award-winning multimedia initiative, and a new venture called Ideas on Film. He has a Ph.D. in theoretical physics and an M.A. in philosophy. He joins me by phone, Howard Burton. Howard, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, John. It's a pleasure to be here. Um, I'm not sure that's the longest introduction, 
that I've ever done or the longest book title, but it's but it's right in there. Um, before we get into the book, and I'm really looking forward to this because uh, I, I talk with a lot of different guests on this show about knowledge versus opinions, um, but not not so many about what can be done about it. So I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> but I but I have to ask you. Um, is it a big jump going from philosophy to theoretical physics? Um, not really, actually. And, and that's, it, sounds, it sounds like an enormous I wasn't expecting that question. That's a good one. Um, so it's not really as much of a stretch as you might think. I mean, uh, uh, the work that I was doing when I, 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 I did a, a master's, this is a long time ago, obviously, it was mostly in philosophy of science. So uh, there's, a, there's a large correspondence with looking at things from the philosophy of science perspective and then actually doing the science. And in fact, uh, you know, in the old days, when Einstein and those guys were, were around, uh, they were really doing both at the same time. So it, it, it's not as much of a stretch as it makes sense. I do want to say something about the, the length of the title. So thanks for pointing that out. Uh, <laughs> and that can be very daunting. But something which is perhaps, uh, which might um, help in the other direction to balance things out is, well, the title is very long. The book itself is actually quite short. So, uh, so frankly, from a, from a reader's perspective, I'd rather have a really long title and not a very long book than the other way around. Okay. Well, and and that kind of fits in with uh, some of what you've been doing with the uh, Ideas Roadshow and Ideas on Film is is making information very accessible to people. Right. But what got you interested in? knowledge versus opinions and I and I can't help thinking it has something to do with the way people have begun to mistrust um, not only elected officials but now science as well well absolutely um, I guess I should say first off uh, I'm not American so I'm a Canadian I grew up in Toronto just uh, very actually very close to to, to Michigan, uh, so not very far from there, not well, at all. Be, being, you know, that the show is is based in Michigan, we're fine with Canadians. <laughs> <laughs> we're neighbors. Well, uh, and you're very, well, you're very broad-minded people in Michigan, right? So I'm sure you don't come to any unreasonable judgments. Anyway. Well, well, some um, are, some are, yes, and, and yes. some want to kidnap the governor. So. Uh, you know, we, we we run the gamut here, Howard. <laughs> but I, I, so, the, I mean, I guess one question, because the whole premise of the book is to dive into the incredibly um, upsetting, exceptionally upsetting, if you will, divide and culture war that uh, that your country is now going through. And so, I guess an obvious question is: Well, what business does a Canadian have to be commenting on any of this? And and I would say that in the normal course, uh, a Canadian has no business commenting on things, but things have reached such a terrible state uh, in your country that it, it's really, I think, it behooves me and, and other people to kind of wade in a little bit and try to do our best to help you guys see reason, because quite frankly, you're going through a very difficult time, which is almost exclusively self-inflicted. And the title of the book, at least the, the short part of the title, the main title, Exceptionally Upsetting, plays on this notion of American exceptionalism. And the thesis is, look, Americans like to think of themselves as exceptional. To what extent is that reasonable? To what extent is that not reasonable? And people outside of America tend to get 
um, quite irritated by this because they feel that it's condescending, that the Americans think that they're, you know, they're the only ones who are doing anything worthwhile and that they're so wonderful and unique and so forth and so on. So this is a phrase, this is a notion which tends to go down very poorly outside of the United States. Um, and the thesis of the book is, actually, uh, you are exceptional. And you, you, you are exceptional in maybe some not so great ways, but you are exceptional in, in a couple of very, very significant and important positive ways that not only are not recognized outside of the United States, but are not recognized inside the United States. And the single greatest thing I think that makes you truly exceptional on a world-class level is the fact that you dominate the world of research and scholarship and knowledge. So by any objective measurement that you care to use, whether it's the Shanghai Index or the Times Higher Education Index or what have you, if you look at where the greatest collection of research and scholarship and knowledge about any topic you want to mention, whether it's science, whether it's the arts, whether it's the humanities, anything, not only do you have a substantial amount of uh, that knowledge, uh, those knowledgeable individuals in the United States, you have the most dominant share on a global level. You beat everybody in the world put together. That is a stupendous accomplishment. That is an enormously significant accomplishment, and it's almost completely ignored by everyone in the United States. So that's point number one. Point number two is that you are in the midst of this terribly divisive culture war, which actually diminishes knowledge and diminishes expertise. So the idea is, hey, let's make you recognize what you're actually exceptionally good at, and you can use that, you can harness that to go beyond this in incredibly personal, uh, self-inflicted divide where everything becomes opinion and you demonize anybody who disagrees with you and actually use it to circumvent that and move forwards in a more positive way. So that's, that's the premise of the book. I was a little surprised that you invited an elephant in the room by bringing up the fact that, you know, as a Canadian, you're an outsider looking in, but that also creates a tremendous opportunity to get a view from a different vantage point. Is it hard to watch uh, the, the headlines coming out of uh, Washington and around the country um, about things like fake news and alternative facts? It's, it's been, I mean, a lot of things have been very hard to watch. And, and I think um, it's important to recognize, in keeping with what I said earlier, that there are people out there outside of America who have this a certain amount of schadenfreude, right? They have this, oh, well, you know, it's finally chickens are coming home to roost and, <laughs> and, uh, and, and all of this nonsense. These guys have been so triumphalist for so long and they've been telling the world how they have to act in this way and that way for so long. And, and, and there's this, I'm not, I'm not sure if it's universal glee, but there is a certain amount of enjoyment that, that people have, uh, uh, as, as I guess, unfortunately, it's the downside of the human condition, that we all tend to revel in other people's misfortune to some extent, or there's a tendency there. I think this is terrible. I think it's wrong. I think it's wrong not only on a moral level. I think it's wrong on a selfish level, because, uh, and this is another point that, 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 that comes to mind with all of this, the world needs the United States. And I think the way in which the world needs the United States is also very confused. I mean, Americans like to think the world's 
the world needs us because we represent this global leadership. We'll teach them how to be democratic, and we'll teach them what freedom means, and we'll, we'll teach them what capitalism means. And I go through a large part of the book, and, and, and we'll, actually... And we'll be America's policemen. Yeah. And so there's, there's all of that, and I think most of that is nonsense, quite frankly. And, and there's a lot, I mean, some of it's not, but a lot of it is. And, and, and the position that America could be in to be the moral authority or the spokesperson is dodgy at best. There are some positives, some negatives. It's certainly not a clear-cut case. But my point is, it is a clear-cut case if you look at the importance of really having that knowledge and, uh, and, and information expertise. And a, and a very obvious point, and it's not the only one, but it's the one that, of course, almost everybody's thinking about these days, is the pandemic that we're all in. So imagine this. Imagine that we were somehow, out of the, uh, in the global pool, to take American-based knowledge. By American-based knowledge, I mean all of the knowledge that is happening right now at all of those dominant world-leading universities, research institutions, and so forth. Not everybody working there is American, of course, because, again, part of the tradition of the United States dominance in these fields is that, by and large, the, the cream of the crop from all the other countries very often winds up spending at least some significant amount of time in the United States. But imagine for a moment that you were to exclude that from the pool of how the world is dealing with the pandemic. It would be nothing less than an unmitigated disaster. And so... Even just for self-interest reasons, it's vitally important for people to realize that, um, that this knowledge and this, this research excellence is something which should be nurtured, it's something which should be recognized, and it's something which is in the best interest of everybody. Has there ever been a time when knowledge and opinions weren't at odds? Um, probably not. Uh, I think I think that's a good point. I mean, I'm not I'm not invoking some halcyon days of uh, everybody being a, a perfect philosopher or or not not being opinionated. And maybe one thing that's right. worth pointing out is that, of course, knowledgeable people are also opinionated, uh, and opinions in and of themselves are not necessarily a bad thing, and in many ways a good thing. If I'm sitting around trying to work on, on anything from, uh, you know, why, uh, why the artist, or the Renaissance artist, Raphael all painted in the way that he painted, or, or what the first uh, few microseconds of the universe actually looked like, um, or, or any other topic, you know, why iguanas are the color that they are, or who knows. Obviously, the more knowledge I have, the stronger my opinions are going to be based upon that. So the idea that there is necessarily um, uh, a, a distinction between knowledge and opinion is a bit of a, uh, of a it's a bit of a false dichotomy. The reason I position things like that is that right now the problem, as I see it in the United States, is that everything is about opinion. First of all, right, you're told that right. your opinion is just Howard, as good as everybody else's. Howard, I'm I'm sorry to interrupt, but I have to go to break here. Can you stick around because I want to talk about this some more. All right. My guest is Howard Burton. He is the author of Exceptionally Upsetting, How Americans Are Increasingly Confusing Knowledge with Opinions and What Can Be Done About It. And we're going to get into that some more with Howard after we let our broadcast partners squeeze a few words in or do whatever they do when we go to break. If you're streaming the show, we have some messages as well.
I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. Our lives have been turned upside down by COVID-19. When a vaccine becomes available, it's critical that all of us get it. What we do as individuals will impact everyone's health, including those who can't get the vaccine. We won't get through this unless everyone takes part. Now is the time to get up to date on all recommended vaccines for both kids and adults. Experts say it's more important than ever for everyone to get their flu vaccine this year. And if you're older, you should get both the flu and pneumonia vaccines since both illnesses can make COVID-19 even worse. Vaccines are available at a lot of convenient places so be an example for friends and loved ones and encourage them to get vaccinated too. We all want to reunite, travel, and get back to school and work. But that means we all need to get on board. This is the time to do what's right for each other. Get vaccinated. It's our best shot. Hey, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. Catch me and a gaggle of great guests weekdays on Our Voices Radio, WFOVLP 92.1 FM. You never know who might drop by. Joe Biden from the Blue Hawaiian. Dan Serling. Congressman Dan Kildee. Alexander Zondrick. Actor, comedian Joe Napote. Woodrow Stanley. U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow. State Senator Jim Annan. Comedian Brian McCree. The unknown comic. Mark Farner. And Tom, I want you to know Tom's my friend. You know, you've always got great questions, and you know the material, and you, and you care about it, and it's uh, it's that's impressive. Nice to be with you, Tom. And I admire you for reading all of that. I haven't read the whole thing. I've got willing to admit that. <laughs> hey, Tom, this is my favorite interview all. It's like having coffee at the kitchen table with you. Tune in Monday through Friday from 9 to 12 right here on 92.1 of a Kind. And check out our website at TomSumnerProgram.com. MTA Flint is nationally recognized for continually seeking to provide sustainable, reliable, and cost-efficient transportation for individuals throughout the region. Through work-related and non-emergency medical transportation and your ride services, MTA is moving people with future and alternative fuel technologies. More information about MTA Flint and specialized services is available at mtaflint.org. Discoveries. They happen when we least expect them in places we thought we knew. And discoveries have a way of teaching us a little more about ourselves along the way. Welcome to Flint and Genesee County, where up north meets down south. Home to Michigan's largest county park system and a vibrant culture. A place filled with discoveries we've yet to make. Throughout acres of beautiful lakes, wetlands, and woods, and in the diverse city beyond. Where the uplifting melodies of gospel choirs fill the air. Where the work of renowned artists color the galleries and museums. Where the fresh fruits and vegetables at the downtown farmer's market awaken our senses. 
and where the cultural center and planetarium broaden our view of the world. Let's spend a few days enjoying the wonders of Flint and Genesee County, where the joy of discovery is pure Michigan. Your trip begins at michigan.org. This is Congressman Dan Kildee, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. And welcome back, everybody. We continue our conversation with the author of a new book, uh, Exceptionally Upsetting, How Americans Are Increasingly Confusing Knowledge with Opinions and What Can Be Done About It, Howard Burton. And Howard uh, is joining me by phone. Howard, welcome back. Thanks for sticking around. Sorry to make you sit through all that. No problem. My pleasure to be here. Um, and, and I can't remember exactly where we left off, but I, I, I do want to get, I, th- I think it was that looking in on America uh, from Canada, where you are, that it's, as you put it aptly in the title of the book, exceptionally upsetting to see Americans um, leaning so heavily on opinions and and sort of blowing past knowledge. But in the title, you suggest that there's something to be done about it. <laughs> yeah. And so I, 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 that's, that's the important ahead. part of that long title, Howard. <laughs> <laughs> it, indeed. And I think uh, a couple things to that, to that point. Um, first is, it's no secret to anybody, least of all your listeners, but certainly not anybody around the world, that America is more divided now than it's been uh, at any time in recent memory. Um, and the question is, how do we get past that? And I think the first thing to do is to diagnose, well, what is it? And then try to look at how we can actually, how did it happen? And then what can we actually do to move beyond it? And, and I think those things are, are extremely important because a lot of people are actually benefiting from the current situation, and that's something that I think we have to uh, openly and honestly recognize. Um, just before I get there, I will get there, I promise, uh, to, the, to the solutions. Um, but before I do, I want to talk a little bit about this opinion versus knowledge business, because what I mean by opinion, and this is really part of the problem, is this notion that, first of all, everyone is being told that their opinion is just as valid as anybody else's opinion, and they are listening to news sources, by and large, that are just lining up with their own tribal instincts. So there's a sense of demonization. You get your news, your information over here, and it must mean the other guys are, are terrible, uh, they're, you know, they're, they're, they're wrecking your country, they're, they're indoctrinating your children, blah, 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 whoever the other guys happen to be. Uh, you and know I what, Howard? Low- I, I blame that on niche marketing. It was an unintended consequence of niche marketing. Um, At some point, we decided soccer moms had to have their own news channel. Well, there's a lot of there's a lot of there's absolutely a lot of truth to that. Um, But what I mean is this notion of opinion and this notion of people being upset. I think that's the real difference that caters to uh, that that when you distinguish between opinion and knowledge, which is what we're talking about, and I think that's vital to looking forwards towards a solution. So when you're just motivated by opinion, all you're interested in is getting feedback that reinforces your particular views. So ask yourself this about a particular issue. If somebody were to point out that you're wrong, 
if whatever it is that you believe in, if somebody were to point out, actually, no, you're wrong, I have a proof, I have a demonstration, I have some illustration that can convince you in principle that you're actually wrong, what would your reaction be? Would your reaction be, oh, that's really actually quite interesting. I used to think it was this, and now I think it's that. Huh, that's, that's great. I hadn't thought about that before. If that's the way you approach the topic, then you're oriented more towards the knowledge side of things. If, on the other hand, you get angry, if, on the other hand, you take personal offense, because by definition, it's inconceivable for you to even acknowledge the possibility that somebody could, could demonstrate to you that you're wrong, well, then you have a problem, and then you're, you're solely living through this opinion filter, uh, be it niche marketing, be it, uh, be it the, the, the mainstream media, be it social media, what have you, you're more and more being reinforced to only listen to people who support you and mirror your views, and you're not actually interested in going beyond and exploring things that are outside of your particular space. And while you're doing that, you're busy demonizing the other guys. You're saying, well, these people, they're just terrible. They're, they're either, you know, terrible coastal elites who are trying to trivialize us and they're smug, condescending uh, SOBs, or they're knuckle-dragging Philistines who, uh, who you know, don't have uh, anything more than a third-grade education or what have you. So once you go down that road, then you find yourself in a situation which is almost structurally intractable because you're constantly reinforcing this personal divide. And, and that's, so that's, that's the fundamental point that I'm, uh, I'm trying to, to, to bring out. And the fact is a lot of people are actually doing very good business, be they politicians, be they aspects of the mainstream media, what have you, and trying to reinforce that tribal allegiance. And, and I think the way to break out of that is to try to look at the situation from a broader perspective and also realize not only is not everything personal, not everything is political, not everything has to involve a very strong opinion on your part. You could just go out to try to stimulate yourself in different ways and decouple from what you're constantly being fed because the forces that be are actually doing a pretty good job at making you angry all the time. You know, uh, Abraham Lincoln was challenged by a journalist once for having changed positions. He was basically trying to call uh, President Lincoln a flip-flopper. And uh, Abe's response was, uh, well, I, you know, it, it had a year, I think, had passed since he had said one thing, and now he was saying something different. And his response was, I like to think I'm a little smarter today than I was yesterday. Exactly. And, exactly. and I've I've always said that if you don't listen to other points of view, how do you ever learn anything? And well, there's that, and there's also the fact of ask yourself why you necessarily have a point of view. I mean, it, it's fine. It's almost it's a strange state of the world in which we find ourselves, where people feel obliged to go into almost every conversation with an opinion. And there are an awful lot of things where you should go in with the idea, in my humble opinion, you should go in with the idea that you don't actually have an opinion. You're just curious. You're just interested in what it is. I don't have an opinion right now on which vaccine is necessarily going to be the most effective. I would like to actually see some knowledge, some data, some uh, longitudinal studies, all the rest of that sort of thing to get a sense of things. I don't have an opinion right now as to how best 
to move forward on an inoculation program, you know, six months from now, or how do you measure um, uh, the, the the cost involved with the you know the rollout of, of a particular vaccine in different states for different people? You don't have to have an opinion about everything, and you certainly shouldn't approach every topic with the, with the notion that well you're going to listen to the people who are going to instill those opinions in your head. That's just a nonsensical way of living. And it's also a very tiring, angry way of living. I, I refuse to believe that, um, that, that that's a way that people are actually going to enjoy themselves. Even if you take, which is hard to imagine right now, the pandemic out of the equation. I mean, one thing that I wrote about recently is when I grew up in, in Toronto, there were all sorts of typical ways that people used to describe Americans. Of course, America's a much more heterogeneous place if you if you know it, and you know, people in Texas and people in California and people in New York are hardly all the same, to put it very mildly. But nonetheless, there are some basic categorizations that people have of Americans. And so the positive ones were they were very generous, they were kind-hearted, they were uh, they were innovative. The negative ones were well, they were ignorant and they were uh, you know maybe imperialistic or what have you, depending on who you talk to. But the one adjective which was never invoked, never, when I grew up, was angry. I mean that just wasn't something that people associated with Americans. Now it's the only adjective that springs to mind when you think of Americans. Doesn't matter whether you're left, whether you're right, whether you're up, whether you're down. It's this sense of constant tribal bitterness. And so when I wrote this book, I, of course, have my own political opinions, but I tried extremely hard, exceptionally hard, in fact, to, to write it in a nonpartisan way. Because whatever you might think of you know, people who voted for Donald Trump, there are 74 million people who voted for Donald Trump. 74 million. And so somehow you have to try to find a way to recognize that, and uh, despite whatever you might personally feel in order to move forward. You can't just ignore that or you can't just say, oh, it's all, you know, this one orange guy's problem or, or he's the devil or something like that. You, you have to recognize what's in front of your face. And, and I, I think it's, uh, it's about time you guys did that because we need you to get your act together. Well, I saw I, I, I saw a comment recently that I thought was was kind of fun, um, and it might have had something to do with this whole dust up uh, around Liz Cheney's uh, leadership in the House. Um, and the comment was, seventy-four million people didn't have their elections stolen; they were outnumbered. Right. But but I think you make a good point, Howard, and one that, that I think people haven't taken to heart, and that is, regardless of what you think of Donald Trump, why did 74 million people vote for him? What are they looking for? And is it necessarily opposite from what you're looking for? Well, it, it has to be recognized. It has to be dealt with, and it's very frustrating that it's that it's not. So again, you know, we could talk, and I suspect that our own personal political views are are, are probably quite strongly aligned. Um, but for all of that, uh, that's that's the status quo. The status quo is you're living in a country where virtually half of the electorate voted in a in a very different direction than the other half of the electorate did. And if you just take the attitude, okay, it's our turn now, um, because, you know, the numbers are, are in favor of us now, then um, 
then that's not only not terribly productive in terms of the other half of the country, but it, it, it's also uh, reasonably short-sighted because nothing guarantees that in another four years you will be in a, you know, in a, on, the, on the short end of the stick, as it were. Um, and then you're going to have this constant oscillation that's happening back and forth, and you're going to have a constant extreme oscillation that happens uh, in terms of public policy. I mean, another problem, uh, we can talk about all sorts of things, but another problem is um, the world outside of the United States has a bit of an issue with uh, trusting the United States right now. So it's wonderful that Biden is now, you know, talking about a climate change uh, meeting and all the rest of that, um, but there's a lot of trust which has been shattered by uh, the United States being party to a, to a global ch a climate change agreement and then spontaneously just pulling out for domestic reasons. Um, anyway, so we're, uh, I, I will get to the, po the positive part, by the way, uh, uh, but uh, perhaps I should, uh, you probably don't have too many people that don't let you get a word in that choice. Do I, do I at least rank high on that list as well, or is this just very common? Are you there? Yeah, yeah, I, I am here. I, I have a, a caller on the line who's trying to ask a question, um, which I can't transfer over to the board because we didn't set it up that way. Um, anyway, uh, to, to get back to, to what we were talking about, is, is getting started as simple as um, just not getting your news or forming your moral uh, compass from memes and bumper stickers? Yeah, I think there are a couple things. Uh, so the, it, it is it is that simple to decouple. I think, and I think what people have to do is they have to not not only, not only not get their news, but not spend all of their time trying to get this kind of reinforcement. Trying to actually go outside and be stimulated by things that they don't know that they're curious about. Not to have their preset opinions confirmed. Not be angry. Pursue things that you're actually interested in, and and uh, and basically uh, go forwards by being engaged with all sorts of wonderful, stimulating, interesting stuff that's out there. The problem is there's not very much stuff that's out there that's wonderful and stimulating and engaging. And this is where I think the knowledge space, these universities that I mentioned, actually should step up and create uh, far more in the way of engaging nonpartisan interesting material for people. They're not doing that. I think that would enrich the, the, the academic educational space as well. It would enrich their own experiences. And it would also take advantage of this wonderful technology that actually exists now to be able to do that. So I think the timing is ideal to be able to do that. And one of the things I, I, I point to is if you think, OK, well, that's all very well and good, Howard, but that's just too idealistic. People won't do that. They'll never decouple. They're not interested in, in looking at things that are uh, that are just outside of their, their, their preset opinions. One very salient example that I point to is last week tonight with John Oliver. So things have become a little bit more politicized there. But but uh, but for the longest time, for years, the premise of that show is let's take some issues that aren't partisan that people don't really talk about very much. And let's explore those and let's present those in an engaging and interesting way for a wide viewership. Things like net neutrality or, 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 uh, or, or things like prison reform 
or even things like uh, perhaps the most celebrated case of pushing the limits of, of boredom in a, in a domestic television audience, the, the 2015 Canadian federal election, um, and, and, <laughs> and actually investigate those things and present them in a stimulating and captivating way, and it works. Howard, and so I think that's a very worthy precedent. Howard, I mentioned uh, I, I had a caller on the line who wants a, to ask a question. Do you mind taking a question from a caller? I'd love to take a question. Okay. Go ahead, Bobby. I just wanted to see if he had um, considered grounding his argument in the fact that we are emotionally biased when we have opinions that can't be changed by rational argument. That was something that John Stuart Mill wrote many, 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 many years ago uh, in an essay about women's rights. And... Um, and so the fact that we have emotionally-based opinions, I think, is pretty important when we consider whether we should waste time in rational argument. Well, that is exactly what I'm saying. Uh, I guess I didn't say it very well. Thanks, Bobby. Uh, I'm going to let you go. Okay, bye. Yeah, go ahead, Howard. So so that that's a great point, and, and, and perhaps a better way of, uh, surely a better way of saying what I was, that was struggling to say. Um, people are looking, they are approaching a situation with a certain emotional bias. They are approaching their, not only what they hear, but the decision to listen to or watch a particular news channel. And now it's, it transcends news because the news just used to be the thing that people engaged in for half an hour or for an hour at a certain time of day. And now it's something that they're on constantly, all the time. So they're approaching almost every single action that they do with this emotional bias and with a determination to have that bias be confirmed. So that means two things. First of all, they are by definition not susceptible to, uh, to any other ideas or thoughts. And it also means that, um, that they're not going to uh, be exposed to, to any of that. And, and they, are, they are simply living willfully in their own emotionally saturated bubble. Um, and they're going to be very unhappy at some level as well. But, I mean, more to the point, it, you can see the ramifications of this actually happening in, within, the, within the country right now. And, and, and it is not getting any better. And I think... It is structurally not getting any better because more and more people are constantly approaching these issues with their preset emotional bias. And the people who are peddling to those biases, they are doing very well. Be they politicians, be they the mainstream, you know, we could list the names of uh, the media representatives and so forth, but everybody knows who they are. They're doing very well because their attitude is, look, we're going to get more and more people who are constantly watching us or constantly listening to us or constantly having their biases being confirmed. And it's almost like an addiction that they're, that they're peddling. But the country, in the meantime, is, is, is on a rather precipitous uh, route towards uh, some, some form of perdition, and it's not going to get any better. That's the point. Um, and it's not going to get better just because your guy happened to win this last time or your guy happened to lose this last time and maybe he'll win the next time. I mean, that, that's a systemic um, structure that, that bodes very poorly for you. I think the solution is to actually start making, approaching your life in a way that is not in keeping with these pre all these preset emotional biases that you need to see confirmed and actually trying to stimulate yourself and trying to go outside of yourself. And in order to do that, you not only have to have the disposition to be able to do that, 
but you also have to have those engaging things with which to stimulate yourself. So there's, a, there's, there's something on the demand side, but there's also something on the supply side that needs to be done. And we used to have a saying in this country, and it, it, I, I don't hear it as much anymore, is agree to disagree. That you could have disagreements agreeably. You didn't have to be disagreeable. Absolutely. And that, that's absolutely right. But, but again, that, that has a different perspective. If you and I sit down and we say, okay, well, we agree to disagree. What does that mean? It means that you say, well, you know, Howard thinks this and I think that, but uh, he's a reasonable person and uh, he comes to his own conclusions. He doesn't convince me. I don't agree with him. And I haven't convinced him. Exactly. But it doesn't mean that that, uh, that either one of us necessarily demonize the other. We just say, okay, because it's based upon mutual respect and it's based upon the understanding that you can have uh, a, a different perspective. It very much gets back to this point that your listener brought up, because we're not, we don't look at it in such a way that we say, well, he must be the devil, or, or he must be somebody who is fundamentally immoral because he happens to disagree with me. We, we base it up upon a sense of mutual respect and the fact that different people, different strokes are different folks, different orientations, different beliefs. I may think that it's terrible what you happen to believe in, or I may think it's inconsequential, but either way, it doesn't mean that I'm invalidating you as a human being. I'm not bringing in all of that emotional baggage with it, and you're not, you're not doing that to me. But if you live within a framework where, by definition, going right into the, to the conversation, if you don't happen to align with me on this issue, then it means that you're a so-and-so, that you're, you're necessarily evil, that you're trying to you know, ruin the country, that you're, you're doing all this kind of thing, well, then there's... There's no logical space for us to agree to disagree because you only look at the world in this Manichaean perspective where you're either <laughs> with me or against me. Yeah, I'm I'm right and you're a moron. Exactly, exactly, <laughs> and and it, and it and it works both ways, and that's why it was a little bit difficult for me because, of course, I do have my own, as I mentioned before, political orientation and political beliefs, and I do feel strongly about that, but I feel even stronger about the idea that it's very much in the interest of your country, which is a country that is so needed in so many ways on a global level, to be able to transcend this. That it, it far dwarfs any particular political bias or political orientation or, or political value that I might happen to have. Because, again, you know, roughly, I don't know what the numbers, I think 53 and 47% or something like that, but the country is basically split down in a very strong polarized position, not that they happen to, you know, half the people support the Democrats and uh, the Democratic, uh, you know, uh, candidate and half uh, ticket and half of them support the Republicans. But, I mean, that's fairly standard. It's that of those people, of uh, of the, the, the roughly 53-47% uh, split or whatever it is, Huge proportions of the people who were aligned with, with one side thought that the other side were, you know, criminally insane. And, and, and that's a problem. I mean, that's, that's the real issue. Well, this is a conversation that we could have for hours, Howard, and I'm really appreciating I can't believe how fast the time has gone, but we're just about out of time. I always give guests an opportunity to let listeners know where they can find out more. Obviously, the book exceptionally upsetting how Americans are increasingly confusing knowledge with opinions and what can be done about it is a great place to start. But Howard, where can people find out more about you and your work, past, present, and future? Do you have a website? 
We do. And so uh, you mentioned, uh, you graciously mentioned Ideas Roadshow. One thing I didn't have a chance to, to say, and I'll try to say this very quickly, is that my conviction that there are so many wonderful and interesting and captivating stories that are not being told by all of those phenomenally knowledgeable people who are within the United States is based upon my own experiences through Ideas Roadshow and my own little tiny amount of Howard, capturing those Howard, stories. Howard, stand by for a minute. I have to go to break here, but we'll come back and wrap okay. it up. <laughs> Sorry. Hi, this is Joe Bye from the Blue Lions, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. While we've been staying safe at home, scientists have been on a journey. The destination, a COVID-19 vaccine. This journey began decades ago with research into other coronaviruses. Scientists built from there with months of research and development, cooperation with other experts worldwide, and clinical trials on tens of thousands of volunteers of diverse race, age, and health status. They arrived at a safe, effective vaccine and hundreds of thousands in Michigan have already been vaccinated. But the next step is ours. We need to get the vaccine when we can, keep wearing masks correctly, and taking precautions until we reach our destination, freedom from COVID-19, and getting back to the lives we love. Discover the facts for yourself at michigan.gov slash COVID vaccine. A message from the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services. Start your weekend early with the Tom Sumner Program every Friday live at 11. We turn the spotlight on the world of arts and entertainment featuring artists from music, TV, and the movies. Catch everything from the rich local talent pool in and around Flint and Genesee County to up-and-coming stars of stage and screen, plus legends from New York and Hollywood. Hi, this is Greg Nagy. Hey, this is Hoppa. Hi, this is Joe Bye from the Blue Lions. Hi, this is Alexander Zonjic. Hi, this is Mark Farner. This is Maurice Davis. Hi, this is Rochelle Ray. Hi there, folks. This is Sweet Willie T. Hey, this is Steve from the Nashville office. I'm Gwen Pennyman Hemphill. Start your weekend right. Go to 11 Fridays on the Tom Sumner Program. Those hands, no matter whose they are, can spread the germs of many common diseases. That's why I want you to realize how important it is to keep hands clean, to wash them regularly and always before meals with Life Boy, which not only removes dirt, but helps to remove germs. Teach the children this habit. Form it yourself. Always use Life Boy for hands and face as well as... America, your children have an amazing superpower. That's right. They can help save lives by simply washing their hands. Just 20 seconds of thorough hand washing after they've coughed or sneezed or been outside can help fight against the dastardly spread of germs. Armed with only soap and water and hands, your superhero can protect you, your family, and everyone out there in America land. Amazing! Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. Imagine a journey down a picturesque river. Imagine your Flint River, 142 miles of recreation, natural beauty, and precious resources.
The Flint River is a vital resource that is available for all to use and enjoy. The river and its ecosystem provide unlimited recreational opportunities and natural beauty while supporting wildlife in a vibrant landscape. We all have a responsibility to protect and preserve this precious resource. Learn more at FlintRiver.org or call the Flint River Watershed Coalition at 810-767-6490. TomSummerProgram.com Hey, this is First Ward City Councilman Eric Mays, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Armchair Politics, our weekly roundtable, is coming up at the top of the hour, but we're wrapping things up with uh, this hour's guest, the author of Exceptionally Upsetting How Americans Are Increasingly Confusing Knowledge with Opinions and What Can Be Done About It. And we were just finding out how uh, listeners can get into uh, more of uh, Howard Burton's work and uh, uh, past, present, and future. Howard, uh, welcome back. Thanks for sticking around. And, and once again, sorry to make you sit through all that. Oh, no problem whatsoever. Um, so I, I was just uh, going on about Ideas Roadshow and, and saying how that has inspired me to recognize not only how many fascinating and interesting stories are not being told uh, from top-level researchers in a wide variety of different fields, um, and uh, that I've done myself through my own experiences, but I think that's just the tip of the iceberg in terms of what could be done. So if you're interested in getting a sense of some of the work that, uh, that, that we've done, and that's over 100 books, we also have video databases, but they're more for institutions, for public libraries, and for, uh, for high schools and universities and so forth, but we have uh, over 100 individual books and um, and 20 collections of five books each for Ideas Roadshow. You can just get them at any uh, any book or ebook distributor, Amazon, or of course Barnes and Noble, or, or what have you. Just type in Ideas Roadshow. If you want the full collection of all the different people and all the different books, you can go to our Ideas on Film website, which is just ideas-on-film.com, and then click on the Ideas Roadshow link, and you'll see all the 100 of those individuals, their work what the books entail, and hopefully you can get a really interesting, stimulating window onto all sorts of different angles of research in a very non-opinionated way. Well, Howard, thanks so much for spending this time with me this morning. It's been an honor and a privilege, and I hope we get a chance to uh, talk some more. Good luck with the book, and keep up the good work. Well, thank you very much. It was a pleasure to be here, Tom. I really appreciate it. Take care. Thanks. Bye. That was uh, Howard Burton. He is uh, the author of Exceptionally Upsetting, How Americans Are Increasingly Confusing Knowledge with Opinions uh, and What Can Be Done About It. And uh, we're going to have more of the Tom Sumner program straight ahead. Welcome to this presentation of the Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner program. 
I'd like to have an argument, please. Certainly, sir. Have you been here before? No, I haven't. This is my first time. I see. Well, do you want to have just one argument, or were you thinking of taking a course? Well, what is the cost? Well, it's one pound for a five-minute argument, but only eight pounds for a course of ten. Well, I think it would be best if I perhaps started off with just the one and then see how it goes. Fine. Well, I'll see who's free at the moment. Uh, Mr. DeBakey's free, but he's a little bit conciliatory. Ah, yes. Try Mr. Barnard, room 12. Thank you. What do you want? Well, I was told outside that... Don't give me that, you snotty-faced heap of parrot droppings. What? Shut your festering gob, you tit. Your type really makes me puke, you vacuous, coffee-nosed, malodorous pervert. Look, I came here for an argument. I'm not going to just... Oh, oh, I'm sorry, but this is abuse. Oh, I see. Well, that explains... Ah, yes. You want room 12A, just along the corridor. Oh, thank you very much. Sorry. Not at all. Thank you. Stupid git. Come in. Uh, is this the right room for an argument? I've told you once. No, you haven't. Yes, I have. When? Just now. No, you didn't. I did. Didn't. Did. Didn't. I'm telling you I did. You did not. Oh, I'm sorry, just one moment. Um, is this a five-minute argument or the full half hour? Oh, just the uh, five minutes. Ah, thank you. Anyway, I did. You most certainly did not. Look, let's get this thing clear. I quite definitely told you. No, you did not. Yes, I did. No, you didn't. Yes, I did. No, you didn't. Yes, I did. No, you didn't. Yes, I did. You didn't. Did. Well, look, this isn't an argument. Yes, it is. No, it isn't. It's just contradiction. No, it isn't. It is. It is not. Look, you just contradicted me. I did not. Oh, you did. No, no, no. You did just then. Nonsense. Oh, this is futile. No, it isn't. I came here for a good argument. No, you didn't. No, you came here for an argument. Well, an argument isn't just contradiction. Can be? No, it can't. An argument is a connected series of statements intended to establish a proposition. No, it isn't. Yes, it is. It's not just contradiction. Look... If I argue with you, I must take up a contrary position. Yes, but that's not just saying, no, it isn't. Yes, it is. No, it isn't. Argument is an intellectual process. Contradiction is just the automatic gainsaying of any statement the other person makes. No, it isn't. Yes, it is. Not at all. No, look. Good morning. What? That's it. Good morning. I was just getting interested. Sorry, five minutes is up. That was never five minutes. I'm afraid it was. It wasn't. I'm sorry, but I'm not allowed to argue anymore. What? If you want me to go on arguing, I'll have to pay for another five minutes. Yes, but that was never five minutes just now. Oh, come on. Look, this is ridiculous. I'm sorry, but I'm not allowed to argue unless you've paid. Oh, all right. Thank you. Well? Well, what? That wasn't really five minutes just now. I told you, I'm not allowed to argue unless you've paid. I just paid. No, you didn't. I did. No, you didn't. Uh, look, I don't want to argue about it. Well, that. you didn't pay. Aha. Uh -huh. If I didn't pay, why are you arguing? I've got you. No, you haven't. Yes, I have. If you're arguing, I must have paid. Not necessarily. I could be arguing in my spare time. Oh, I've had enough of this. No, you haven't. Oh, shut up. I want to complain. You want to complain? Look at these shoes. I've only had them three weeks and the heels are worn right through. No, I want to complain If about... you complain, nothing happens. You might as well not bother. Oh. And my back hurts and we're in a fine day and I'm sick and tired of this office. Hello, I want to... Oh! No, no, no. Hold your head like this. There you go. Wow! Try it again. Oh! Better, better. But wow! Wow! Put your hand there. No! Now. Wow! Good, that's it. Stop hitting me. What? Stop hitting me. Stop hitting you. Yes. Why'd you come in here then? I wanted to complain. Oh, no. That's next door. It's being hit on the head lessons in here. What a stupid concept. This was another comedy spotlight on the Tom Sumner program.
lucky man who made the great And though the news was rather sad Well, I just had to laugh I saw the photograph He blew his mind out in a car He didn't notice that the lights had changed A crowd of people stood aside They'd seen his face before Nobody was really sure if he was from the house of Notice I was late Grab my coat Grab my hat Made the books And seconds flat By my well says And I had a smoke Somebody spoke And I went into a dream
from the Tom Sumner Show. Oh, yeah. You pilots, get off of my lawn. We're trying to do a radio show down here. It's a Tom Sumner program, don't you know? Go on. Go on, get out of here.